Hello everybody, it is Michael here, back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. As always, I appreciate everyone's support. We just hit 400 on the Clips channel. Nice little milestone right there. So again, appreciate everyone who's been listening to the show. Uh, we got a lot to talk about in this one. Basketball is back, which is very, very exciting. We got to talk about the Grizzlies, the Pistons, the Rockets, the Nets, and LaMarcus Aldridge getting traded from the San Antonio Spurs. So yeah, let's get right into it. First team I want to talk about is the Detroit Pistons, who have obviously had a very, very bad season win-loss-wise. They're 10-27, and the second-worst team in the NBA, but I do really like what this team is building, and I think they got a nice young core over there. Uh, they obviously made the trade yesterday that everyone was talking about, uh, where they traded Sfi Mikhail Luke and a 2027 second-round pick over to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Hamadou Diallo, which I thought was a fantastic trade. Uh, Diallo's been having a really good season so far. I do understand the more and more that I look at it, why the Thunder did end up making this move, but he still has had a good season. He just didn't really fit, and they didn't really want to pay him. So I think on a team like Detroit, who is just looking for as much young talent as they can get, to be honest, uh, I think this is a fantastic trade for him. You just take a swing on someone who definitely has potential and who's had a really good season. He's been a quiet, like, one of the better six men. Uh, he definitely can't really shoot yet, which is something he obviously needs to improve on. But super athletic, can create his own shot a, a little bit, has potential on the defensive side of the ball, rebounds the ball well. And I just think he'll be a nice uh, energy guy for them for sure. Uh, I love that pickup. And just as a whole, they're starting to build a really, really nice uh, young core. I think Troy Weaver over there is doing a fantastic job of kind of bottoming out this team. Uh, and then just getting them this young talent. And I think they're a team you should definitely watch at the trade deadline because they can get even more young talent. Obviously, they could make a Jeremy Grant trade if they'd want to. I don't really think that's super realistic, though. I'm more looking at, like, just the solid veterans on this team to be traded. Like, you could get some nice value for a DeLon Wright and a Mason Plumlee. Like, DeLon Wright is a guy who can play both guard positions. Uh, he's just a super versatile dude who can do multiple different things. He can shoot play make play good defense so he's definitely a guy i would see a team wanting to go after especially a contender who just needs guard play off the bench and needs some versatility delon Wright would be a good pickup and then you got one of the best backup centers in the league in mason plumley who is a very good rebounder fantastic playmaker scores well on the interior like he's definitely someone that i would trade some pretty good value for and is another guy where uh, even though he isn't really that like impactful on this team because obviously they're not winning games, I think he could be super impactful on another team, and another team's going to see the value in someone like Mason Plumley. So you can just continue to stockpile assets for uh, this team, and you already have a lot of nice assets. First, got to start off with my favorite player on this roster, and that's Sadiq Bay, a guy who I was huge on coming into the draft. Thought he sh should have got drafted much higher. I thought it was crazy he slid to 19. I don't know what people didn't see in Sadiq Bay uh, that caused him to slip as much as he did, but Sadiq Bay is just a bucket. I mean, he is a fantastic three-point shooter, and what I love is, even though I do expect him to expand his game in the future, for now, just in his rookie season, he's basically just a strict three-point shooter. Like, five and a half out of his 7.9 shots comes from three, and he's shooting almost 40% from there, which is incredible for a rookie. Like, 
that is really, really good numbers right there because these are not all just like catch-and-shoot threes. A lot of these off the dribble, creating his own shot. And I think we we haven't really seen a lot of the things that Sadiq Bey can do. Like he showed off at Villanova, a really good ability to get into the mid-range area and create his own shot. So I think as he continues to get the confidence from the coach and the organization, that's something he can really expand on. And he could become pretty special. And this is what I loved about Sadiq Bey coming into the draft is just how much he fits into the modern NBA with his ability to shoot the three, but go into the mid-range and create his own shot. He's a good defender as well, smart on that side of the ball, has good size at 6'7", 215, can play both forward positions, rebounds the ball well enough. Kind of reminds me of like a Tobias Harris type of player. Not That's not like a one-for-one -one comparison by any means, but they definitely have a lot of similar parts of their game. And Sadiq Bey is just a super nice player. Uh, there was rumors of him getting traded, and that just confused me because he's a really, really nice player in this young core, and I would do a lot to keep a Sadiq Bey, and he's going to be really nice for this roster. Love me some Sadiq Bey. You know, I have like what I've seen from him this year. Their other pick, Isaiah Stewart, not a huge fan of him, uh, to be honest, and that's not really like hating on him as a person or anything. It never is when I'm talking about these players or even necessarily hating on his game that much. I just think what he brings brings to the game isn't something that was valued enough to be picked at 16 like if that was an early second round pick or a late first round pick I would have liked that uh, selection way more but picking him 16 when I feel like there was just other better options just didn't really make sense to me I do really like what he represents he's a super hard-working dude first in last out type of guy he's really really strong on the interior but he is a little undersized being only 6'8 and we do see undersized centers succeed more and more uh, but he doesn't really just have a a lot of those things that the best undersized centers do have like he doesn't have the playmaking at all of like a bam out of bio and he just can't really shoot the ball that well like he can shoot it fine enough for a center but I feel like when you're at that size you need to shoot the ball pretty well or you need to be able to play make you need to be able to bring stuff that you can't get out of just a normal traditional center but I feel like he just has a super traditional center game which is kind of a dying breed in the NBA so I don't think he's gonna be bad by any means I think he could be a solid starter but I just don't know if it's worth taking a guy like that at 16 it's not that he's a bad player I just don't love the fit and I don't love the pick uh, and then you got Killian Hayes who obviously had a really rough first year and then got injured uh, there's no other way around it. He was potentially the worst player in the NBA in the seven games that he played. But it was only seven games. I still really like Killian Hayes. I'm a big, big fan of him. One of my favorite prospects out of this draft. Uh, and I think he has really good potential. Just needs time. He's coming over uh, from the Euro League, which is obviously a big transition. It's easy for a lot of the best players. Like we saw Luca seamlessly transfer over it. But especially at the point guard position, which is already so hard to transfer over. And he already was a bit of a raw prospect coming into the draft. It doesn't surprise me that he struggled. I'm just excited to see him healthy next year. And I think he can be a lot better. Just give the kids some time. So many people have already given up on Killian Hayes. And I just find that ridiculous. He's a 19-year-old who is playing in the best league in the world. And playing at probably the hardest 
uh, position to transfer over as a rookie. I still love his floater game. Still love his ability uh, to create his own shots, to hit threes, play make. I think he can be good. Uh, just give Killian Hayes some time, and I definitely think he's going to be a nice player for them in the future and a big part of this young core. Dennis Smith Jr. has had a bit of a revival uh, with the Detroit Pistons. Still don't think he's like a great player or anything just because he does rely so much on athleticism and not uh, really skill and he doesn't shoot the ball incredibly well still his overall efficiency isn't uh, that good like he has a true shooting percentage in Detroit of uh, 48.4 which is still bad uh, but I do like that they got him give him another chance and he's definitely looked better with Detroit I just don't think Dennis Smith Jr. is that good of a basketball player to be honest he's just more of a raw athlete which is a thing that I feel like is kind of dying in the NBA because with everybody being so skilled now you have to have other facets of your game other than just athleticism uh, I do like another one of their guards though a lot Saban Lee I'm a big big fan of him and the way he's been playing uh, so far this year I think he's uh, done a great job in the limited opportunity that he has gotten and I think he'd be a really nice piece for this team going forward guy who can really shoot the ball uh, he can playmake a little bit not a great playmaker or anything but he's a solid enough one and he's just a guy who I think could be versatile play both guard positions is a little undersized to do so uh, but he can uh, do that just due to his ability to play both on and off of the ball I think he's a really nice uh, piece to have on the score especially with you getting him in the second round it's not like you really risked anything by getting Saban Lee on your team and he's definitely performed well want to see him uh, continue to get more minutes as the season progresses and I think he's definitely going to earn those minutes uh, you got Seku Dumboya who I really like but has not been good this year I do still think he has crazy potential. He was a super raw prospect coming into the draft, coming over from France. And I definitely just think he needs a lot of time to grow before he's going to be good. And he may be one of those players that never really puts it together. We see that so much where we see these raw athletic players who have some skills that are nice and intriguing but just can't put it together. Uh, and I think he could definitely be one of those, but he could also be a guy that maybe he struggles for his first three or even four years, but I could see him exploding at any moment just because he does have that natural talent to be a good player. Uh, I just think, again, he needs time to develop, and you're going to need a lot of patience within the organization and within the coaching staff uh, for Seku Dumboya. And now that they are going to be pretty bad this year and that they are probably going to be getting rid of a lot of their veterans I think it's time to just see what you have in Seku and just give him as much of a chance uh, as you can and see how good he can be uh, with a lot of opportunity and if he's not good you might have to just move on from him unfortunately uh, but I do think he could be a nice piece going forward Josh Jackson has definitely had a revival there and I think this is what they need to keep doing is just getting guys who struggled in past situations uh, for whatever reason Josh Jackson had a lot of off the court issues he's also just not a great player or anything uh, but he definitely has had a revival in Detroit and this is what you need to do just buy low uh, and these are super low risk players like you got Josh Jackson for basic basically nothing and now you just give him an opportunity and if he performs well like he has this year that's great that's fantastic but if he doesn't do anything then it's whatever you just get rid of him and move on you need to keep making moves like this and that's what I do like uh, what Troy Weaver is doing you 
got to take on these bad contracts because, first of all, Detroit just isn't a free agent destination anyway. But you got to take on these bad contracts uh, to get future picks and give other teams expiring contracts. This is just the process of a rebuild. It's going to be a long rebuild. It's not going to be easy by any means. But you need to do moves like the Brooklyn Nets did where they accepted that they were going to be a bad team and they didn't even have their pick so it was even worse for them but they made a ton of smart moves by getting expiring contracts getting other teams picks and then you just got to nail your draft picks you got to make a pick like getting a Karis LeVert late or Jared Allen late and we see we've seen that they flipped those guys and obviously a ton of picks for James Harden like that's incredible so you just got to have smart picks you got to develop uh, these guys well and you can be good in the future it's going to take time it's not going to be a quick process by any means uh, but I do think it's a process that can work at some point and I like what the Detroit Pistons are building I like their flexibility going forward and they're starting to build a nice little young core I think they're doing all the right things even though they're obviously a bad team hopefully they get a good pick this year because especially in this draft there are some franchise changing dudes like as much as I like Killian Hayes if Cade Cunningham is on the board uh, when you select, and he that would probably have to be number one. And if you could get a Cade Cunningham on your team, I think they could really change their franchise with something like that. Or even an Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kaminga. There's so many talented dudes in this class. Uh, and the Detroit Pistons are just set up really, really well. They're making smart moves, and I like what they're doing. Now I want to talk about the Houston Rockets, who definitely are a very bad team this year and have a lot of things they need to do, but I do like their future. It's going to be a very, very difficult and long rebuild for them. This is not going to be some quick process by any means. Obviously, they're 11-25, and 25, one of the worst teams in the NBA. They've lost 15 games in a row, but there are signs for this roster, and there are certain things that I do really like and do think can be uh, very good pieces going forward. You obviously first have to talk about Kevin Porter Jr., who has looked fantastic ever since he joined Houston. Uh, obviously, he's played very limited minutes actually in the NBA, but he was straight up dominating the G League. Looked like a man amongst the boys down there was playing some of the best basketball that I've seen uh, from a guy who's as young as him. He was just fantastic down in the G League. And this is the thing with Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, some people are criticizing Cleveland for trading him, but we all knew that Kevin Porter Jr. could ball. We all knew that coming into the draft as well. The reason why he slipped to 30 and the reason why the Cleveland Cavaliers felt it was necessary to move on from Kevin Porter Jr. was his maturity and was the off-court issues. He got suspended in college and went from a guy who was getting top 5, top 10 pick hype to barely making it in the first round and being picked 30 by Cleveland. And he went from a guy who had a ton of potential and had a good rookie season and looked like a part of, of a Cleveland young core that could be really nice going forward to a guy that they traded for a protected second-round pick that probably isn't even going to turn into anything. But if Kevin Porter Jr. can figure out those off-court issues, which obviously I think we should all be hoping that whatever is going on in his personal life doesn't affect his on-court ability, because at the end of the day, this dude is a hooper. This dude is so talented, and I would hate to see that wasted 
by bad off-the-court decisions because he is one of the better ta- young talents in the league, to be honest. He is really, really special, and we've seen it in the two games. He's averaging 20 points, four rebounds, nine assists. He's just is one of the smoother players in the league. Uh, he's so smooth with his handle, gets to his spots with ease, definitely has things he needs to improve on. Like He's a pretty streaky three-point shooter, and we've seen that so far. He's really struggled from outside, uh, but his ability to get to the basket is very good, and again, it's all him using that handle. He does a really good job of controlling his pace, uh, slowing down and speeding up to get by guys. He's got a really uh, clean Euro step, and his footwork up around the basket as a whole is really good. He showed in the G League the ability to hit those step back twos, step back threes as well. That looked honestly like a, a baby Harden. Like, is, if he could put together the shooting, he has all it takes to be a really good player in the NBA and obviously shooting is such a big part of the league and obviously he has to be better than what he is right now like even in his rookie season he shot 33 and a half percent that's below average but even if he can become a 35 36 percent shooter which isn't special by any means that's just about average he is going to be a very, very good player because we've seen the playmaking take a pretty significant step. Now, obviously, the assist numbers are inflated right now because he's only played two games and the team is pretty bad and they're giving him a lot of opportunity. But you could just tell watching him and then compared to last year that his vision has definitely improved and the way he sees the game is very different. And I, I think it comes from the fact that he knows he has a bad reputation uh, coming in with him. And it's not because he can't hoop, but he knows that he has to prove people wrong by playing out of his mind and just playing great basketball. So that's what he's doing right now. He's very clearly super motivated and is just playing so, so well. I literally watched that Jazz game last night strictly just for Kevin Porter, and he kept the game close for a long, long time. That was just due to him bawling out of his mind. Uh, he was fantastic in his first start, and that was incredible to see. I'm um, just hoping for the success of Kevin Porter Jr. I think he's got a lot of potential. I think he could be very, very good. Just has to figure out the off-court stuff. Has to figure out the shooting, because other than that, he has all the tools to be a really good player going forward. And the fact that they got this man for a second-round pick, even with all the off-court issues, that is a fantastic trade. And if he figures out the off the court issues, he's going to be a really important part of a difficult Houston Rockets rebuild. And I think he's definitely one of the pieces you have to look at first when you're talking about this rebuild. Obviously, you have to talk about their best player as well in Christian Wood. Christian Wood has been fantastic this year before he got injured. And it's no coincidence that they lost 15 games in a row the second he got injured. He's a great player at the end of the day. I've I've been very high on Christian Wood. I thought the signing was fantastic. And that wasn't like a bold opinion or anything. Uh, but the signing has proved to be incredible for the Houston Rockets. He's a guy who is still only 25 years old, so it's not like he doesn't fit the timeline of this team. And in fact, when they're hopefully getting good, he could either be a guy who is on the roster and helping them win games or super high-value trade asset, as I don't even think we've seen the best of Christian Wood, which is scary because this dude is already averaging 22-10, and 10, shooting 42% from three, 
and I think he could even get much better, which, again, is just scary. He's one of the better pick-and-roll players in the league. He's got a lot of similarities to Anthony Davis, obviously very different players, and he's not on the caliber of Anthony Davis, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But it's, on offense especially, they do have a lot of similarities to each other, which is very interesting to watch. Like, they're one of those guys that isn't like a big power player, even though they're uh, really tall and they are pretty strong. They're more of a finesse guy, but they can take advantage of uh, smaller players in the post. But their best ability is the fact that m most guys their size are simply way too slow-footed to guard uh, them because they each have just fantastic finesse. Like Christian Wood, uh, finesse is just amazing like his ability to get to the basket so good he catches lobs at a great rate it's definitely one of the best lob catchers in the league and it makes it even better because when he's setting a screen the defender always has to think is he popping out for three or is he going to the lane because he is a fantastic three-point shooter as well his three-point shooting is a bit streaky like at one point he was shooting like 30 percent now he's up to 42 uh, but overall as a stretch big, he's a pretty, pretty good one. And just with him being a 6'10 guy who can play uh, the power forward and the center position, uh, he's one of the better shooters at that position in the league. Great rebounder as well. Uh, his defense is something that definitely has took a step this year, which was honestly like my only criticism about Christian Wood is that I didn't love his defense, and it's far from perfect still. But he is improving, taking steps. And if he continues to improve on that side of the ball, I think this dude's ceiling is so high. I think next year, uh, he could definitely be an all-star. And if he's an all-star, I would not be surprised at all because he's just a special player. And that contract was an absolute steal for them. It was a fantastic move. And this is what they have to keep doing. In a similar way, like I was talking about the Detroit Pistons, you got to buy low on these type of players, and sometimes they're going to boom like Christian Wood has. Now, obviously, he showed more signs than most players would. But I think if you see the light with a certain player and you can get him on a reasonable contract, especially with the flexibility you should have going forward, you just got to do it because... With a team like this, there's nothing to lose. It's a bad roster at the end of the day, and you're not going to really win games. So you should just try and get as many young players on this roster as you can and just hope one of them booms. And Christian Wood definitely has. Uh, they uh, signed Deshaun Tate out of undrafted free agency, which was a fantastic move for them. He's a guy who's 25 already coming in as a rookie, but that is the thing that I do like about him is that you can tell he was already prepared for the NBA game. He's got an NBA ready body. He's undersized height wise, but he's super strong and that allows him to be a very, very good defender. His IQ and effort on that side of the ball are fantastic. He's just all over the place on that end. He's not great as a shooter yet, but it is something that he can do. Would love to see him improve on that, but his defensive upside and what he already is on the defensive side of the ball has been very valuable to this team. And most of his points just come from him cutting to the basket, getting opportunities on the fast break, and getting open catch and shoot corner, uh, catch and shoot threes in the corner, which I do like. He knows his role and he fits into it very well. Another nice piece uh, of this young core. They got their two uh, rookies that uh, they did 
uh, draft this year. They got Kenyon Martin drafted very, very late. I do like Kenyon Martin Jr. Uh, he has a lot of work on for sure. Needs to become a better shooter. Needs to just hone that athleticism that he does have. Uh, but I think he does have a lot of athleticism and a lot of natural talent. They have Mason Jones, who's on a 10-day contract right now. But I do like Mason Jones. Fantastic at getting to the free throw line. Just a pretty gifted natural score. And another guy that it was smart for them to uh, sign out of undrafted free agency. The guy, Anthony Lamb, who... I'm going to be honest, I really don't know much about. He did play 23 minutes against Utah. Uh, he was pretty bad in that game, but he's another undrafted rookie, which I do like. Just keep taking swings on guys like this who are probably not going to amount to really be anything. But if they do uh, be literally anything, then that's a, a good move for them at the end of the day. Uh, I just want to see him at this point move on from a lot of these uh older players for sure because it just doesn't make sense for you to keep uh, these players who are good but uh, just don't really fit with the timeline of this roster pj tucker is getting traded at some point he's not with the team right now he's not playing and he's very clearly expressed his frustration all year honestly i'm surprised it's been it's took this long for him to just stop playing uh, because he's very very clearly done with Houston and I do think you could get some value out of PJ Tucker because he is a guy who's going to be wanted by every contender every contender can use a PJ Tucker type of player he's just a good role player uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be going after some of their wings like uh, Daniel ha Daniel House Jr I really really like him uh, as a guy who can shoot the ball hasn't shot it great this year and hasn't really been good this year so I do think another team would probably buy low and give them a little bit of value and uh, for Daniel House and this is what you need to do like you're not going to get much value out of these guys but if you can get some seconds and then try and develop those guys out of the second round maybe even if you combine them you could get like a late first you're going to need to nail your draft picks you're going to need to make savvy moves in free agency it's going to be a really really long process it's probably the most daunting rebuild in the NBA just due to the fact that you really don't have that much talent on this team but you can make something out of this roster. Like, I think someone's going to want Ben McLemore as a shooter off the bench. Another guy who's having a bad year. But at this point, I'm not really, like, taking any Houston Rocket who's having a bad year really as, like, legit just due to the fact that there's a clear lack of motivation with the within this team but you could trade David Nawaba and get something for him he's a good defender and he could play late rotation minutes for a team that's trying to be good Victor Aldipo someone please trade him like you have to trade him he hasn't been good for Houston but I do still think he could be a decent player for a different team you're not going to get much value for him but it just doesn't make sense for him to resign and he clearly is going to leave in free agency to, so just try and extract as much value as you can right now it's going to be a long process but with Daniel uh, with Kevin Porter Jr with Christian Wood with your older players like Daniel House uh, Jr like Victor Oladipo uh, Eric Gordon as well who's had a good season he got he just got injured but I do think you get some value out of him with a pj tucker it's going to be a long process but you do have the picks uh from the brooklyn nets which are probably going to be late first but at the end of the day you just have to nail on those picks and do well with that with those uh it's going to be a very very long process for this team it's going to take a while before they're good uh but if they do make the savvy and right moves with some of the young talent that they do have on this roster with Steven Silas, in my opinion, being a pretty good coach, I think the Houston Rockets can be good in the future. It's going to take a while, but stay patient, 
And I do like this uh, little young core that they have. I do think they're building something uh, kind of nice. And now they just got to get rid of those veterans, take some swings on some young guys, and try and get picks for the future. Uh, it's going to take a while, but I do like what the Houston Rockets are doing right now. And I think they're building something kind of nice. All right, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies, who even though they are 10th in the Western Conference, barely making it into the play-in tournament, I've been very, very impressed by them this year, and just as a whole, they're building one of the best young cores in the league. I feel like their front office has done a fantastic job of getting talent on this roster. I think Taylor Jenkins is the most underrated head coach in all of the NBA, and just as a whole, they're winning basketball games, even dealing with big injuries, and that has been very, very impressive. Obviously, it starts off with John Morant, who even though I do feel like he's gone overrated by certain people, he still is a very, very good player and has had a good season so far, especially recently. He's been playing pretty well, got absolutely robbed in that Denver game. I mean, that was just absolutely ridiculous what happened there. It's not even the fact that if it was a foul or not, because that is whatever to me. Like, I could understand you saying it's a foul. I could understand you saying it's the end of the game. You let that type of stuff go. But the thing that annoys me is the ref made the motion of it being a foul, and then called it on Dylan Brooks, who wasn't even in the play when he made the motion of, of it being a foul. He called it on Dylan Brooks, even though he fouled like three or four seconds after uh, that happened, which was just an absolute atrocity. Uh, but Jaw is a very, very good player. Obviously needs to improve his shooting. That's the thing he needs to improve by far the most. Uh, he was shooting like 40% from three at some point last year, but I always knew that wasn't sustainable just because it was on such a little amount of attempts. And he's really struggled to shoot the ball this year. Kind of looking like a young Russell Westbrook, John Wall type of player, which obviously is still high praise because they're very good players. And I do just have to give Jaw a ton of love for being so young but still being such a good leader for this team. Like he took a team last year that was not expected to be good to being a playoff caliber team. And you have to give credit to the other guys, but it shows just a level of maturity as out of someone who's only 21 years old. That is very, very rare. You could just tell he's, he's built for this. Like he's always ready in the toughest moments to step up and he's always closing out games for this team he's one of the best playmakers we have in this league fantastic at driving to the basket so athletic just really needs to improve that shooting and man if he can get that together which obviously is not an easy task by any means but if he can get that together that's going to be really really dangerous especially when he has his uh, when he has his co-star in Jared Jackson Jr. So Jaw, even though he's been overrated by certain people, is still having a good year, do not get me wrong. And even though he hasn't necessarily taken the big step that I was hoping out of his second year, he's had a good season so far. Uh, and again, once they get Jaron Jackson Jr. back, this team is scary because I'm a huge Jaron Jackson Jr. fan. I may even go as far to calling myself a Jaron Jackson Jr. stan. I just love this kid's game so so much he is a special player man he's one of the best uh, shooting bigs in the league I'd probably put him right behind Carl Anthony Towns for shooting and that may seem like an exaggeration but he is 
so underrated as a shooter. Like, everyone knows he can shoot, but I don't think people understand really just how good of a shooter Jaron Jackson Jr. is because he last year on six and a half attempts per game as a 6'11 guy shot 39.4% from three. And especially in the bubble and later in the season, he was showing an ability to create off the dribble. He was hitting deep threes off the dribble he was hitting step back threes and he obviously can run uh pick and pops with jaw moran which are just absolutely deadly because jaw is so good at getting into the lane but he's also so good at playmaking that he's always going to hit jaw uh he's always going to hit jaron whether it's on the roll or whether he's stepping out for three and then with jaron just being such a dynamic weapon it makes that nearly unguardable and what i really love to see in the bubble and what i hope we see even more when he does eventually get back which should be pretty soon is just his ability to take slower big man off the dribble because what i loved is he was mastering the thing that has made anthony davis so great and makes christian wood so great as well which is the ability to post up smaller players and take advantage of mismatches but use the speed advantage and the just overall finesse advantage you have over slower big man. Like, most seven-footers are not going to be able to guard Jaron because he's so athletic, and his handle looked like it improved significantly, and it was just his overall confidence and aggressiveness that I love to see go up so much. So if he can play like that, and like what he did in the bubble when he gets back, this team is terrifying because I honestly think he could be the best player on this roster, and I, I think he was last year, and that's no shade at uh, John Moran at all. That's just how good I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is. He's really, really special, and he obviously has stuff to work on. Like, the fouling is a big issue, uh, and his defense has disappointed me somewhat. He's still a very good defender, but I thought he would be even better. Uh, he just needs to get that fouling together because he averaged over four fouls a game last year. That's just unacceptable like you're not going to be able to play big minutes when you're fouling four times a game but if he can get that put together his offensive game is already so good and so polished and his defensive upside and his defensive instincts are already so good that I think he could be just an absolute star I think he can be a top 10 player in the league and that is no hyperbole Jaron Jackson Jr. is just really really special I don't care that he doesn't rebound the ball that well uh, it really just doesn't matter to me. Obviously, you'd love for him to play center, but with how good of a shooter he is and how mobile he is, he can play the four and be completely fine. It's such a different case to someone like Porzingis, whose injuries have clearly worn down on him so much that he lost a lot of his athleticism and he lost a lot of his mobility, so he struggles to guard the perimeter. Nah, Jaron Jackson Jr. can guard one through five, so it doesn't. it's not really an issue uh, the fact that he doesn't rebound the ball well due to the fact that he is so versatile. So he can play the four and be completely fine, especially when you have like a bruising center like a Jonas Valanciunas alongside him, who I think is a perfect fit, even though I don't know how long he's going to be on this team because he is 28. He is just a perfect player alongside uh, Jaron because he's a fantastic rebounder. And it's honestly one of the most underrated centers in the league. Another guy on this roster who just doesn't get the love he deserves because he's 
in Memphis, and no one really cares about Memphis, but he can shoot the ball well enough for a center. It's not something he's going to go to frequently, but it's something that just adds another nice facet to his game. But the thing that he really thrives on is the fact that he's fantastic on the interior. He is incredibly strong, 6'11", 265 pounds, and he's so good at just bumping people out of his way and getting easy buckets at the basket, and especially when you got a pick-and-roll maestro uh, like you do in John Moran, a really good uh, playmaker at your backup point guard and Tyus Jones. It fits together just so perfectly, and he's such a good rebounder. He does have somewhat slow feet on defense, which do, which does definitely hold him back from being as good of a defender as you may want him to, but he is just such a big body and a big presence on the interior that he's naturally going to get stops and he's naturally going to play solid uh, defense especially against other bigs who are more bruising style and even though that isn't as common anymore there's still plenty of bigs who play that style of basketball and you're not going to stop them all the time but he's going to do a pretty good job of at least uh, just guarding them and doing as well as you can uh, but the thing I just love most about this team, that's like the big three of really good players on this roster, is just how many nice role players they have outside of them. And the thing that I love most, the most about all these guys is the fact how they buy in. This team puts out so many lineups where I'm like, just talent-wise, this should not be a team that works. This shouldn't be a good lineup. But due to the fact that everyone buys in, everyone is so unselfish, and everyone plays hard, it works no matter what. And again, you got to give credit to Taylor Jenkins for that. He is so underrated as a coach. No one talks about him when you're talking about the best coaches in the league conversation. But he's absolutely a top-tier coach in this league, and he's proved it the years he's played. Like, they're so unselfish, man. They're third in assists per game. They're ninth in defense. And this is all due to the fact that these guys just play hard as hell. Like, Kyle Anderson has had a fantastic season for them. He stepped up huge when John Morant wasn't out. He was playing point forward, showing off an ability to play make and he was playmaking really really well he may be the slowest player in the league he's called slow-mo for a reason he does everything in such a methodical way but it also makes it fun to watch him because he sometimes will like break someone's ankles and it's just so funny to me because he is so slow takes him like five seconds to shoot a three but i mean he's shooting 37 percent this year he's a really intelligent and smart defender really good playmaker for his size uh, and just, again, is another guy who buys in perfectly. And when you're 6'9", 230 pounds, as long as you have the IQ and the skills to match it, you're going to be an impactful role player. And he's a super underrated role player. He is really, really good for this roster. DeAnthony Mellon is a guy who can play both guard positions and is one of the best guard defenders in the league. This dude is 6'2", but he plays with so much heart and so much effort that it makes him an elite guard defender. He's fantastic on that side of the ball and he can play both positions which is obviously great he isn't a great shooter he's shooting fantastically this year shooting 43 and a half percent but he isn't a super great shooter definitely has improved out there and you obviously got to give him credit for that but as long as he can be an average shooter what he brings on the defensive side of the ball is so valuable and they got him on a great contract you got Xavier Tillman one of my favorite rookies and it's just due to the fact that he's so solid already like he isn't going to be great or anything he was drafted in the second round for a reason he's a 22 year old rookie but he's from a really good program in michigan state where they 
clearly groomed him correctly to be an impactful player in the NBA immediately. He's uh, playing 20 minutes a game, and they are very, very good minutes. He's a fantastic playmaker for a big man, uh, and that's one of my favorite abilities from him is how good of a playmaker he is. He's a really, really high Q defender. He's undersized, but he uses the strength he does have with him being 245 pounds to his full advantage to still be a plus defender. Like He doesn't jump out of the gym or anything, but him just being so smart and him using his body in the correct way allows him to be a really good defender and I think he's going to be one of the best backup centers in the NBA for a long long while Grayson Allen can shoot the ball pretty well and can play a good minutes for you he's shooting over 40 percent from three this year and he's just a good shooter as a whole Justice Winslow's had a lot of struggles with them this year he hasn't played basketball in a long while so I'm not going to really criticize him uh, too much but he is a guy who I do like what he could potentially bring to this team as a versatile forward who can play the point guard position but could also play the three can play the four is someone who has shown the ability to play point forward has shown the ability to shoot the ball has shown the ability to be a good defender just needs to put everything together and he could be really nice for this team I really just like everything that they have like Gorgie Dang it was a really good backup big man to have. He's a nice player, and he's definitely underrated as well. He's shooting 48% from three this year. Like, he's a really good shooting big man. And I think he's a guy who, honestly, he could be traded at the trade deadline because some other team is going to value what he could bring to a team. Brandon Clark, even though he's not shooting well this year, I love Brandon Clark. He's just so smart. And this is another guy coming from a really good program in Gonzaga who is just a super high and smart basketball player they have so many guys like that on this team and that's why it works even when they don't have as much talent as the other roster he has one of the best floaters in the league undeniable like he was one of the better floater shooters last year and he does so well especially in the pick and roll of doing like a short roll gets to a spot and gets to his floater area which is almost unstoppable they changed his jump shot which i don't like his jump shot looks really awkward this year and i want to see it go back to what it was looking like last year uh but he does shoot the ball well enough i guess he's not a great shooter and i don't think that's ever going to be a big part of his game but as long as it's somewhat of a threat that's good he rebounds the ball decently and then he's just a fantastic defender another guy super smart on that side of the ball another guy works really really hard and you can tell he just puts a ton of effort in on both sides of the floor and he's another guy just buys into the system Tyus jones is one of the better backup point guards in the league and gets no recognition for it can't really shoot the ball and that's definitely his biggest uh, downfall as a player is that he's not a great shooter like he's had decent shooting years he shot 38 percent from three last year but it's never been on uh, a big amount of volume but especially when jaw was out he stepped up big time he's a guy who is a fantastic playmaker one of the uh, better playmakers in the league to be honest he doesn't get the opportunity to really show it but he averages 4.4 assists per game and only 0.9 turnovers in 21 minutes a game that's fantastic he has a really good floater game and is really nice around the basket as a whole he plays pretty hard on the defensive side of the ball for someone who's only six foot and he's another guy who just adds to the depth of this team he can play impactful good minutes Desmond Bain I'll always praise Desmond Bain and I'll always say teams need to stop falling in love with these young players and need to stop underrating four-year college players 
The fact that Desmond Bain slipped to number 30 is an atrocity. And everyone in the league who is a GM who let him slide should be ashamed of themselves. The Dallas Mavericks should be embarrassed that they didn't pick Desmond Bain. The Nuggets should be embarrassed that they didn't pick Desmond Bain. Because this dude impacts winning basketball already. And that's because he's an experienced player from a good program in TCU. He's strong as hell. Finishes around the basket. Fantastic three-point shooter. For most of the year, he's been the best percentage guy in the league, shooting like four a game. He's a great defender, rebounds the ball, plays good. Uh, I already said plays good defense, and then he just buys into the system. He's one of the most just underrated rookies. Again, no one really talks about Desmond Bain, but he's a fantastic player for this team. Uh, the one player that I don't really like on this roster is Dylan Brooks, and it's not because Dylan Brooks is bad by any means. He just doesn't really fit the play style that I like because he's he's very modern day J.R. Smith esque where he has the confidence of Kobe Bryant, but he's Dylan Brooks. Like he has some nice shot making ability and he can do nice things at times, but his shot selection is so bad. So I think if they could get a really good wing to put alongside what they already have. Like a starting lineup potentially in the future where it's Jaw, Desmond Bain, some wing uh, that's really good and just could do some versatile things for them. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. and probably Jonas Valanciunas still at the five with as good of a bench as they have and with as good as coaching as they have. Uh, they, that would be fantastic. They got one of the best scouting departments in the league, one of the best development programs, and the Memphis Grizzlies deserve more love. Talked about them for a while, but that's just because I love this team. Uh, they're probably my f favorite or top three favorite team to watch in the NBA. I'm a big fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, and they continue to just play good basketball, even while having less talent than other teams and even with dealing with injuries. Uh, I love this roster, and they're doing everything right. Next, I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets and how good they can be as they're 9-1 in their last 10, and they are looking fantastic recently. And this is without Kevin Durant, which is the really, really scary part. Uh, I mean, they're just playing such high-level basketball right now, and they are missing arguably their best player, which is just absolutely crazy and just shows how much talent this team has. James Harden, I think we all need to... Uh, give a ton of credit to James Harden. We all need to give a, an apology to James Harden as well. Uh, everyone was saying he wasn't going to fit on this team. It was going to be only one ball. And obviously they've missed Kevin Durant for a while, which helps. It makes it where it's more evenly distributed. But James Harden has really just taken a big step maturity-wise in understanding what this roster needed and completely just being willing to do that. He is not shooting the ball nearly as much as he used to. He's only taken 16.6 shots a game, which is his lowest since 2014 when he took 16.5 shots per game. He knows that he has to be more of a playmaker. That's why he's averaging 11 assists per game this year. He's buying in on crashing the boards because he knows the team is undersized. He's shooting so efficiently. And this is what I honestly love the most is the fact that James Harden 
finally gets the chance to show that he's one of the best shooters in the league because his percentages would always be underwhelming if you're just looking at base stats. And that was never due to the fact that he wasn't a good shooter. It was always due to the fact of the difficulty of shots he was taking. And he still takes those step backs, which you obviously expect because he's James Harden. That's what he does. But now that he's not taking 12 threes a game, now that he's taking a reasonable 7.8 a game, he's shooting 41% from three. That just shows how good of a shooter James Harden is. And he's been fantastic ever since he's joined the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and I think now that he has less pressure on him with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant alongside him, I think we're not going to see as many iffy playoff moments as he had. Because I'm not calling him a playoff choker or anything, but he definitely had some rough moments in the playoffs. But I just think that's due to the fact how the team was constructed. Uh, James Harden has done a very good job of adapting to this team. Kyrie Irving is having an MVP caliber year. Uh, he's been amazing this year. I don't think any of them can win MVP just due to the fact that they're all so good. But Kyrie Irving is averaging almost 28-6 and six, uh, while shooting basically 50-40-90. Uh, this dude is probably maybe the most skilled player I've ever seen personally, at least. And that's saying a lot because I've seen LeBron, I've seen Kevin Durant, I've seen Stephen Curry. Kyrie is right up there as far as skilled players. He makes so many shots that I just don't I just don't understand how. He finishes with both hands uh, better than almost anyone does, even with their dominant hand. He's one of the best mid-range shooters, one of the best three-point shooters. He's obviously got the best, or at worst, second-best handle of all time, but I would definitely say best. And he's just the complete offensive package. Like I feel like his ability to handle the ball, honestly, is kind of like underrated so many parts of his game because he's one of the best shooters in the league like he's right up there with Damian Lillard Steph Curry as far as shooters and he never gets brought up in that conversation it's actually very similar to Steph but in the opposite way where Steph's handle gets underrated a lot because of how good of a shooter he is it's basically the exact opposite with Kyrie and he's had such a fantastic year and I definitely don't think a lot of the stuff that is said about him off the court is true like has he made mistakes of course and as a Celtics fan I saw it, it was, there were some rough moments off the floor with him but for the most part he is one of the best basketball players in this league and he is a guy who I think is a good dude off court and he just has a lot of different philosophies with other than others do which causes him to be misunderstood but he's been fantastic for them this year and again looks like an MVP caliber player uh, Kevin Durant has obviously been great when he's been healthy he hasn't been healthy that much which still does worry me like he's only played 19 games which is a little scary because that was obviously a worry coming into the year but what we do know is that when he was playing basketball uh, he did not look like he missed a beat I mean he was averaging 29 points again almost shooting like 50 40 90 all these guys efficiency has just been crazy he was averaging five assists as well and I think with James Harden that could go up even more and they're all just uh, doing such a good job of balancing everything which was the thing that I and most people worried about because it's hard when you have three players the caliber of that and obviously they haven't played enough games where it would really show how well they can play off each other but when KD does get back I think it'll work because everyone is sacrificing and they're just giving it to the hot hand especially at the end of the games like you see it Kyrie and Harden just go back and forth and a lot of the times they're willing to sacrifice which was the most important thing for this trio to work is sacrificing and buying in and now that they're somewhat figuring it out on defense 
it's just impossible to guard them because they don't even need to be an amazing defense. If they are even average to slightly below average, if they're like the 18th defense in the league, they are such a high-powered offense that I just don't know how you stop a team like this. They're averaging 121 points per game. They have the statistically best offense of all time, and obviously that's not a surprise, but like they've been ridiculous on offense this year. Uh, I, I got to give credit to Bruce Brown, who I think potentially is the most underrated player in the league as a whole. Bruce Brown is incredibly slept on, and he's another guy who's just bought in so well and has sacrificed a lot. Where this dude is 6'4", playing center a lot. He's been a point guard slash shooting guard most of his career, and he's played all five positions this year. And it's just crazy to watch. Like, It's not even just the fact that he's like playing small ball center it's the fact that he's actually playing like a center. He sets screens, rolls to the rim, and he's been incredibly successful in that. Like, he's killing teams because you have to trap Kyrie Irving and James Harden off the pick and roll. So, Bruce Browns is just getting easy dump off passes and is finishing at the basket. He's been fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. He's just absolutely everywhere on that end and again his versatility and ability to play literally all five positions for them is going incredibly under the radar because they have the star players so obviously those guys are going to get the recognition Bruce Brown isn't going to get talked about when they have Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant and James Harden on their team but Bruce Brown is vital to this team and has been so important to why they're playing so well recently is him playing the small ball center Joe Harris is one of the best shooters in the uh, league as a whole and has been amazing this year he's shooting 50 percent from three on 6.8 attempts per game like that is crazy numbers and he just it fits so well with this team because he doesn't need the ball at all and he's so deadly when he's moving off of it uh and then they just have a lot of guys who aren't great but are buying in like i really like nicholas claxton as a guy who can play the center position and can help some of their weaknesses like he'll give you a solid 15 minutes a game because he does have versatility like he's really light on his feet he's undersized uh obviously strength wise like he's 611 but he's only 215 pounds but that does also give him the nimbleness and the mobility to guard like most centers just simply can't while still giving them uh, some of the proper size that they do need which I think he's been just great for them ever since he's been healthy he's fit in really really well and is helping this team a lot I think he's super important and a very just underrated piece for how good this team could potentially be Jeff Green is a guy who can play both forward positions and it shoots the ball very very well he's been great for them this year playing the small ball center like he did in Houston and he fits perfectly uh, within that role Spencer Dinwiddie is a potential trade piece for them to get even more talent on this team uh, Blake Griffin even though I still don't think that pickup is like as crazy as so many people have made it out to be he is a guy who I do think can be impactful and can play the Bruce Brown type of role I watched a video by Kevin O'Connor about Blake Griffin's uh, fit in Brooklyn as he's a guy who I respect a ton as an NBA analyst and is a guy that I'm definitely willing to just listen to and take in the information and learn from it and he was breaking down the tape of Bruce Brown and breaking down the tape of Blake Griffin and how he could play a similar role as a guy who is playing small ball center and when the uh, team is trapping uh, 
when the team is trapping their best ball handler or the guy who's running the pick and roll with Blake Griffin, that's going to get him so many easy dump off opportunities and just easy buckets at the basket. And then Blake Griffin is such a good playmaker that if the defense collapse collapses on him, you've got shooters that are so good that you can just kick it out to in the corner. He's going to have uh, a Joe Harris or he's going to have a Landry Shamit to just kick it out to. And then those guys are going to be sniping. Like he's, looking better and better by the day the more i think about his fit with the team that video as a whole i would definitely recommend watching it uh, over on the ringer it definitely just opened my eyes to how impactful he could be and it opened my eyes to just how crazy good this team can be i was a big uh philadelphia guy thinking that they were going to be the one who wins the east uh but it's impossible for me to say that brooklyn won't win it now because they've been average on defense and they are a historically ridiculous ridiculous offense without a top three player in the world than Kevin Durant just crazy man this team is fantastic I'm even more like opening my eyes to the fact that I think they definitely could be champions now and they've just looked great this year there's no other way around it especially recently nine and one in their last 10 and no one is going to want to face this Brooklyn Nets team Uh, they've been fantastic And I'm really, really scared of just how good this team could be. I'm so excited for that hopeful L.A. versus Brooklyn matchup. And I think that's one of the most intriguing series we've seen in a long, long while. And we could see a lot of crazy stuff happen. Uh, This team is just a team that you'd build in 2K, but like even crazier because even 2K restrains you from getting this good of a roster. It's just crazy, man. And I got to give credit to Steve Nash as well. A lot of people say he's not a good coach. And I definitely don't think he's a great, like an amazing coach by any means. And I think a team with much less talent than this roster does have, he would probably struggle as a coach. But in a very similar way to uh, how Steve Kerr runs things, it's just the ability to understand your personnel with like Bruce Brown being so versatile with Jeff Green and the ability to let your star players play, not be super hands-on, and just allow them to control the game because he knows how good they are, and he doesn't have an ego about that. So that's very good as well. The Brooklyn Nets have looked fantastic recently and are looking like potentially the best team in the NBA. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. Okay, I'm back to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge being moved on from from the San Antonio Spurs. I think this is a move that makes sense for both sides at the end of the day. Uh, It had just kind of ran its course with Lamar in uh, San Antonio. Obviously, there were some really good moments. There were some really bad moments as well. Uh, He had the time where it looked like he was requesting a trade before Pop figured out the offense that included him more. Uh, But he had some great moments there. He had some fantastic playoff series. Uh, He had that year where Kawhi only played like eight games and he carried them to a playoff spot. Uh, But it's a new era in uh, San Antonio, and I really like what they're going uh, for. And what they're going for just doesn't really fit LaMarcus Aldridge. They're going for a more modern style of basketball where they're running super small, have a bunch of guys who are just super versatile and can do a bunch of different things on the floor. And Lamar just, LaMarcus just didn't really fit into that style of basketball he was playing uh, as a bench role. And I completely understand why he thinks he uh, could 
be more impactful on a different team. So it makes sense for them uh, to just go their separate ways. I think it was a good era in San Antonio as a whole, but they just really don't need him at this point. And he is making a good amount of money this year, but it is the final year of his contract. And I do think a lot of rosters are going to want a LaMarcus Aldridge type of player. Now, it's obviously going to be hard to put together the money to match that $24 million salary because I don't think they're going to buy out LaMarcus because I do I do think at least one team will give them a package they'll be uh, willing to accept. My favorite spot personally is the Miami Heat. I think that's by far the best fit uh, for LaMarcus. I think that would be absolutely perfect because the Miami Heat do really, really need help at the uh, power forward position. And that's a place where LaMarcus Aldridge could start. So I think not only would that be the best uh, thing for the Miami Heat to get, but I also think it would be best for LaMarcus Aldridge and it would make him uh, the most happy because uh, they really just I uh, don't like what Kelly Olynyk brings. At least Heat Twitter does not like Kelly Olynyk at all, and he definitely hasn't been too good this year. Obviously, you have the whole Myers Leonard situation, which, by the way, fuck Myers Leonard. He is an absolute piece of shit human, and he got a slap on the wrist, which was just ridiculous. I hope no team ever signs him again because, first of all, it's Myers Leonard. He's, he's a bad basketball player anyway. And the fact that he said he didn't understand what that word meant, even though that's a word that I had to look up to even understand the meaning of and that probably hasn't been used since 1950. That was just ridiculous. But they do really need help at the forward position because of that. Like, I like some of the forward they do have on the roster but they just don't really have enough size at the end of the day and LaMarcus could definitely bring that as a guy who can shoot the ball and who can create occasionally I think at this point in his career he's more of a guy you'd bring for spacing uh, just due to the fact that he is older and he isn't as good as he used to be but he can give you another option as a guy who get like one or two post-ups a game and he's still uh, pretty good at post-ups and then he has gotten much better at shooting the ball throughout his career and it's Especially uh, recently, he's really adapted into the modern bas style of basketball as a guy who has become more of a stretch big at this point. He would bring some nice size to them, which they could definitely use, bring some nice rebounding. And I think that's a perfect fit, especially because they have the contracts to make a trade like that. They uh, could trade just Andre Godala, Kelly Olinick, and that's an easy, simple trade. Uh, you trade guys that have played valuable minutes for them, but Andre isn't that good at this point in his career really can't really shoot the ball that well is still good on defense but not as good as he used to be and Kelly Olynyk is a black hole on defense while not being that amazing on offense either uh, so the contracts work and I just think again that's such a perfect fit for a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge I think that's uh, fantastic it, their bench hasn't really been good either so he could start but he could also play minutes off the bench as well depending on the matchup and I think he could bring very valuable minutes as well I think he'd be a really good fit alongside Bam at a bio as they have almost completely opposite games and I think they would just work well off each other and I just think that's a, a perfect fit I think the Miami Heat are probably the most likely spot the, the Boston Celtics have been brought up as well and obviously as a Celtics fan that is interesting but I just don't really like it at the end of the day I just think our big man position isn't really the issue like obviously he can play the four but I would much rather get a versatile wing instead of getting a guy who is more of a big because at this point in LaMarcus's career it's not even like he's 
significantly better than the bigs that the Celtics have, which is kind of sad. Uh, but I just don't think that would be a good use of the trade exception really at all. I'd much rather get a Harrison Barnes type of guy instead of LaMarcus at this point in his career. I just don't think it would really just make sense at all uh, for the Celtics to trade for LaMarcus, even though that has been a place that has been rumored. I just don't think that's a good idea. And I think it makes much more sense uh, for him to go to the Heat. Uh, I saw another spot, which was the Bulls, which I do think is actually pretty interesting because their backup big play is very, very poor. I like Daniel Gafford, but he just hasn't really put it together. Uh, and their other bigs on the roster just aren't that good. So if you could trade expiring contracts uh, with Otto Porter, give more minutes to Patrick Williams and give, continue to give him a ton of opportunity, and then get LaMarcus, who could probably fill a more important role for them. I actually really like the idea of that, and that'd probably be my second favorite destination uh, for LaMarcus Aldridge is him going to Chicago, filling a void that they do really need. It would be an off-the-bench role, but I do think he could help Chicago potentially make a playoff run. I think that's a fantastic fit. And again, probably my second favorite one uh, behind the Miami Heat. Another one that I saw was the Cleveland Cavaliers basically just swapping him and Andre Drummond. I just don't really like that. I just don't think it does anything for either team. It's up trade guys to a place that they'd probably still be unhappy and they probably still want wouldn't want to be. Uh, there's been the rumors of him going back to the Portland Trailblazers. And I do think they could do some help at the big position because their bigs have been injured. But my thing is, I just don't really see the contracts working out. I think a much more realistic thing is LaMarcus gets traded wherever. And even if he likes the spot, maybe he likes Portland more. And then he signs on a really cheap contract in the offseason with them. Uh, but those are mostly the places that have been uh, rumored the most. I just don't really think there's that many other good fits with LaMarcus because even places that he could help, the contracts aren't really there. I do think maybe the Charlotte Hornets could be a potential interesting uh, destination for him. Uh, get a uh, shooting big alongside LaMelo Ball. I think that's something that could work out and they would have the contracts to match that as well. So that is another spot that I do think uh, could be interesting. But at this point in LaMarcus's career, I just think he'd be a good player who could play starter minute sometimes but is mostly a bench big who shoots the ball brings spacing to whatever team he is on and i think the miami heat are the best fit i'd probably rank it miami chicago uh probably after that i would uh go uh the hornets celtics then the Cavs. as far as teams that i've seen rumored i mean maybe another cool team could be uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, I just don't think they would really have the money to match it unless they were trading uh, Steven Adams. And even then, would the Spurs want Steven Adams? He's at a weird point in his career, so I don't really know who he's going to get traded to. I just think at this point, it's kind of inevitable that he gets traded to the Miami Heat because I just think that's the best fit for both sides. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to see LaMarcus gone, and I'm excited to see this new era in San Antonio. That has been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. It's been Michael. Peace out.